Welcome to the Metaphoricist Magazine podcast, your home for beautifully made speculative fiction. The magazine is edited by B. Morris Allen, and I'm your host, Matt Gomez. This week's story is Escape to Mall B by Theodore Lowry. The mall in which Theodore was born sprung up at the confluence of two rivers, rivers who go on to create one of the eastern Great Lakes. His family migrated westward, so he sprouted up where vast grasslands crash against the western mountain range. Seeking temples, pilgrimage, and clear meanings within messy, colorful life, he traveled to the far east to learn in monasteries there. Seeking to link sky to earth, he returned to his home continent to put down roots among the mycelium and cedar of this chilly rainforest. He writes, sings, draws, and helps others do the same. Find him online at storypaths.substack.com. Let's jump in. Brad's first and only memories were of a mall. In time, he came to know it as Mall A, but for most of his life, it was simply home. Plastic ferns brushing his face, sofa advertisements dangling overhead, and lime disinfectant squeaking beneath his mother's shoes. Despite the top 10 hits playing in the background, for the first 12 years of his life, Brad hardly noticed music at all. This is the story of how he started listening, and how it cost him everything. He grew to roam the arcade and toy store, keeping away from his empty home, and later worked in the supermarket to earn mall tokens for discount Tuesdays in the cinema, with Candy and other boys yelling along with the latest 80s action flick. One afternoon, while resting from his labors in the food court, Brad noticed an older boy perched on a nearby stool. He wore a black leather vest inscribed with arcane symbols, and his black boots had left dark traces on the white tiles beneath him. Even from where he sat, Brad caught a rich smell like wet dog without doggy shampoo. Brad and his friends had just watched Too Alive to Die, starring Chuck Van Willis, and they were acting out their favorite scene. And then Chuck roundhoused the guy's head into the fighter jet. Then boom! Boss goes down. Brad stopped listening as the older boy lifted a slender black case onto the square table before him and slid out a shiny guitar. Brad had only ever seen them in videos. The boy held it, fingers hovering by the strings. The mall's speakers tinkled the current number six song, Your Love Hurts Too Much, Much, by the Boys and Girls Club. It was slow, but with a dancey chorus. The boy cocked his head, his fingers hovering over the strings. What came next changed Brad's life forever. The boy played a chord, matching the song. He played another, and yet another, as though he were on stage with the Boys and Girls Club themselves. Brad imagined them as tiny people playing somewhere within the mall speaker system. From across the food court, a pretty girl glanced over and smiled. The boy looked suddenly shy and put his guitar away. Brad blurted out, How are you doing that? Oh, this? The boy stopped playing and slouched back in his stool. Guess you've never been to the Southwest Wing. Brad rifled through old movie tickets and candy wrappers until he found his bag of mall tokens. How much do you want for it? Brad had traded away all his tokens, three months worth of supermarket work. He couldn't afford movies anymore, so he spent that time practicing the hits with his precious guitar. 
It felt wonderful to have these rhythmic patterns seeping through his mind. As night came and people went to sleep in their capsule beds, the calls of children demanding candy gave way to still hallways. He played more and more quietly and sang in a whisper. It was then that Brad softly crooned the slow hits. At first the flow of music was a trickle, like water through a drinking fountain, then a flow, like the fountain in the food court. Music no longer lived only in the mall's tinny speakers. It flowed through Brad's body, like a special power activated in a video game. One fine evening, he found himself perched on a column above the meandering crowd, playing along with hit number four. Brad wasn't convinced of the singer's claim, my baby makes me so crazy I get lazy. That guy had probably already been lazy. Get down, breathed a low voice. That's right, Brad sang. Get down, get on up. He fumbled the G chord. Get down, now. Before him was a gaunt face, familiar from many a food spilled tobacco. A man who intimately knew every grime-attracting crack of the mall's lily-white hallways. Straddling the top of a ladder, clad in an immaculate uniform, gray hair cropped, Lysol sprayers dangling from two holsters, the cleaner frowned. Son, you can't be breathing and sweating up there. Why? Moisture breeds mold. Mold? Brad stammered. Enemy's first incursion. The cleaner's hot glare made Brad drop his gaze. Brad nearly asked, Am I mold to you? But one, the question was ridiculous. Two, it was obviously true, with the way the cleaner sneered at him. The cleaner's expression lightened. Pray you never see it, boy. Just keep playing the hits. You ain't careful. You'll wind up like that good boy who turned into a... His lips curled. Alternative musician. In a blur, the cleaner shoved Brad's foot aside to reveal a smudge, unholstered his weapon, then lysol it into foamy oblivion. You're alright, son. Just don't let that happen to you. Every time Brad sat still to practice, he imagined the cleaner coating him with Lysol, then wiping him away. Brad didn't really know what the man was capable of. What had happened to that older kid who'd sold Brad his guitar? In between the hits, Brad would sometimes try out tunes of his own, fumbling, awkward things, but full with possibility. He knew the cleaner wouldn't approve, so Brad kept moving. He spent the following weeks strumming and humming on escalators, elevators, and stairs. When he did sit down, people would hush him so that they could hear the real songs playing on the PA. His best spot was a disabled person's bathroom. It was spacious and the acoustics were excellent. One fine fluorescent morning, he was sitting on a bench playing his most polished song, I Love That Lovely Love, by Dang Dim Witches, the current number six hit. Usually, he played for the plastic ferns on either side of the bench, imagining them to be cute girls in his peripheral vision. This time, he glanced up and found a group of people staring at him. He stood. It's all right, I'm going. Long time since I heard live music. An older woman rubbed her eyes, streaking purple mascara. Look what you've done. A boy popped a gum bubble. Can you play faster? Probably. Brad sat down and played the chorus. People gathered like there was a sail on. It was glorious. 
For a moment, he was in his own music video. He'd gotten good. He thought to try out one of his own tunes, but they weren't ready, and he thought he'd glimpsed a cleaner slipping behind a pillar. The next morning, Brad awoke to an odd feeling. Something was different. Missing. He couldn't put his finger on it. His sleeper pod was shiny and cozy as always. He was hungry, thinking to get an egg sandwich in the food court. All normal enough. Except that the mall's PA was silent. There was no music on the speakers. Brad had always awoken to music drifting from the ceiling speakers outside his sleeper pod. His parents always went to work early at the Notary Republic, so it was always the music that had woken him. Now he heard only silence. Was it the cleaners doing? This might be a psychological attack against Brad, like the bad guy in Chuck Van Willis's latest film, the one that Brad couldn't afford to see. The speakers erupted in a cough. A woman spoke, slow and confident. This is the mall mayor, paging Brad Ashton. Please report to the food court. Brad's chest tightened. Being taken to court? Had the cleaner reported him for playing the wrong songs? The voice added, To play today's top hits? Brad found himself on a foot-high stage in the food court. He wiped sweaty palms on leather pants given to him by the mayor herself. The guitar was an anchor around his neck, the strings too hard to press. No one was eating, just staring at him. All he could hear was his own breath. Did they really want him here? This could all be a setup. Number 10, he squeaked into the mic, more gerbil than Rockstar. 10, 10, 10, like it echoed on the radio. This one's called Save I Saved My Tears for Years. People nodded, watching. There were pretty girls out there. God, don't let me mess this up. The A chord came out wonky, his voice thin. The girls looked away. The C chord sounded worse. Can only get better, he told himself, and his playing did even out. At first, only a few babies clapped along, off rhythm. Then a pod of football players started singing, and everyone turned on. The prettiest girl sang the loudest. Number nine, nine, nine. Brad launched into a slow tune. Sucky Nights by Pet Factory. Number eight. Brad chimed the high notes, swam the sad stretches. Number four. Three. Number two was coming fast. Your love's too pointy. This one was tricky. It had this one long high note at the very end, and Brad had only really pulled it off once. The audience should feel in their bones the cut of his girl's love. Number three wound down, and he launched into number two, feeling exhilarated. He came into that last note ready. Too ready. The note came out happy, like he was a sucker for her pointy ways. The crowd cheered but not the football players, and not the prettiest girl. Off to the side, there was the cleaner, his fingers far from his holster, his grim face satisfied. Brad was eager to launch into number one, but the song escaped him. Instead, tinkling, etheric music streamed through his mind. Hardly music at all, but more like the flow from a drinking fountain, mixed with the sound that stars might make as they moved. Not stars as in popular people, but like the ones in outer space in that beer commercial. A shifting tone trickled from his mouth, 
Another reverberated from his guitar. The crowd stared at him. The cleaner smile fell. The pretty girl looked confused. Number one landed in Brad's mind, in his voice and his fingers. He started slow and brought it to a messy, gyrating conclusion. The crowd loved it, but to him it sounded mechanical, like a kid pounding buttons on an arcade game. The cleaner nodded in approval. A week later, the mall mayor was all over the PA system, asking Brad to play again. Brad was squatting beneath a drinking fountain by a far-flung bathroom, arms crossed, staring at a plastic fern. He didn't know why he was hiding. His concert had gone well. They might ask him to play every week. The pretty girls might smile again. If this was everything he wanted, why did it feel like a trap? Brad Ashton, we've paged you many times. Brad Ashton, please report to the food court. Someone stepped in front of Brad, dressed in immaculate white pants. He squatted, bringing his gaze to Brad's level. It was the cleaner. No guitar. Brad flinched, trying to press himself into the wall. The cleaner cocked his head. Thought music was your big dream. Brad made himself hold the man's gaze. Guess so. So, get up there and play the hits. Brad looked up. Is that all? Spit it out, boy. I mean, is there other music? Like what? I mean, the songs are all kind of like each other. Is there music that stretches more, tinkles high like stars, rumbles like, and makes you feel... The cleaner scoffed. Stick with the hits. But what if... I said stick with the hits. The cleaner sprayed a caustic stream of Lysol on the floor by Brad's foot. Something invisible had just met oblivion. Brad took to late night roaming of corridors, trying to get away from the cleaner. Instead of music in his head, he heard threats and the hiss of disinfectant spraying from a bottle. The click of the cleaning cart's wheels gliding over tiles. Each time Brad found a place to sit and sing, the cleaner appeared nearby. He was sweeping up any long hairs Brad shed, or walking backwards and spraying both Brad's footprints and his own. Watching. Always watching. One night, Brad went farther than he ever had, trying to get some time alone. It was there, in a far-off region of the mall, that he saw odd marks on the floor. At first he thought they were stickers leading into a nearby store. But when he leaned down to touch one, his finger came away wet. He flinched, looked around for soap, and only then realized just how far he'd wandered from any bathroom, from anything familiar. Where was he? He'd never seen that shop selling floral syrups or that one selling camping food. His finger smelled like that wet dog or or like the boy who'd sold him his guitar. These prints didn't lead into any shop. They led into a long, empty hallway with green flickering lights. White foam sprayed out of nowhere, coating Brad's fingers. It burns! Purified. With a satisfied grunt, the cleaner holstered his Lysol. A few blurs of the mop and the odd marks were gone. He handed Brad a white cloth. Wipe. It's the antidote. Brad wiped off his hands. The cloth had been soaked in something. Instantly, the burning subsided. 
His hand still tingled, though, and smelled like someone's idea of lemon. The cleaner stared into the dark corridor. If I had my way, there'd be no southwest wing. What's there? Brad asked. The cleaner didn't reply, and in the silence, Brad thought he heard tinkling sounds seeping from the green hallway. Sounds like flowing water mixed with stars. Time to get you back. The cleaner smiled thinly, glancing between three visible escalators. Guessing you don't know your way. For a month, Brad stuck to the safety of the mall, working long hours so he could binge on movies. Then one day, after Brad played the current hits in the food court, the mayor handed him a bundle of tokens. It was more than Brad could have made working three days in the supermarket, and whenever the cleaner saw Brad, he nodded his approval. Brad was safe. More than that, people recognized him in the hallway. A cute girl even told him that he sounded almost as good as the radio. Yet his thoughts kept returning to the long, storeless hallway. It beckoned to him with patterns of flickering green lights. Each night, he had to pump dozens of tokens into a massage chair just to get to sleep. In his dreams, the hallway walls were a rich, loamy green. They billowed out and enveloped him with whispered welcomes. Early one morning, he woke up from that dream. Staring at the ceiling of his sleeping pod, it occurred to him that he wouldn't be free from this until he knew what was in that hallway. It was like Chuck Van Willis's wife had said when she'd faced her own sub-main bad guy. You're my nightmare, but I'm your reckoning. Something like that. Maybe more like she'd said to their son. I love you too much to die. I'll be back. That didn't work either. None of the action movie lines seemed to work, which just made Brad feel more unanchored. Without giving himself time to think, Brad got up and, without even getting breakfast, strode toward the southwest wing. As he descended an escalator, he saw the cleaner coming up, wiping the black banister as he went. Brad grimaced and pressed on. Later, he saw a flicker of cloth on a tile corner, a mop sliding from view. Brad wove randomly through the hallways until he was alone again. He entered the nearest elevator and hit a random floor. The doors opened and the cleaner stepped on. Going somewhere? Brad was forced back. Each day was the same, as though the cleaner had many forms. He held his Lysol like a gun, his mop like a spear, his cloths like garrots. Until one day, while Brad was in the food court wondering why he didn't like burgers as much as the people in the ads, the clandestine hand of fate poked the fabric of reality. A soda dispenser exploded spraying kids, tables, chairs, and customers with liquefied chemist sugar. While everything around him grew sticky, Brad's thoughts grew clear. As the cleaner descended with his arsenal of disinfectants, Brad ran, sprinted past the screen zone and the perfume panther, past where his parents worked in the notary republic. He thought to say goodbye, but they'd be busy. He ran past shops selling holiday stuff year-round, then into the strange part of the mall past dangling antiques and boot insoles color-coded by intensity of wearer's mood, sinking in an elevator, running up an escalator, past where the moist footprints had been, then running, flying through the storeless corridor. Silence, save his own footfalls. He ran alone past flickering green lights and fuzzy walls, 
Ahead, he saw a sign scrawled in green ink. Mall B. The lights went out. He padded on in the dark. From somewhere ahead, a deep tone unfurled. Then another much higher, and the third in between. Was it music? It thrummed his bones while chimes tinkled his mind. A continuum of strings plucked him to life. Fear filled Brad's gut like a spicy taco, but he couldn't turn back. He glanced up to see cracks in the ceiling, seeping warm in otherworldly light, like the sunset in a chip ad. Brad stopped. He'd gone farther than he'd wanted. He could still return to the mall he knew. His parents might be home from work. In any case, the soda machine must be fixed now, and he could sure use some. But whatever that sound was, it was close. He saw dim green lights up ahead and had to keep going. The light came from a window, and in that window was the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen. Carved from glistening ochre wood, it sported sleek symbols, ethereal and ineffable and maybe kind of Celtic. This guitar belonged in a music video. He touched the glass and stared in. There were more instruments, carved shakers, cone-shaped drums, and translucent bowls. Above the window hung a sign. Curving calligraphy read, Sound Healing Shop. Breath caught in his throat. Brad pushed open the door, just an inch. It chimed and fragrant smoke billowed out. Mesmerized, he stepped into a realm of dreams. Crystals dangled. Ceramic fairies danced in pentagrams. Rotating carousels showcased books about telepathic whale guides and helpful star systems. Feeling faint, Brad fell into a chair. Strings surrounded him strummed his spine with spiraling reverberations. His imagination had only brushed the edges of this place. It was much more. Someone placed an object in Brad's lap, made of cool metal and shaped like a UFO. He pushed it away, and his touch produced a clear note. Play more, said a young woman, stepping from behind the musical chair. She was beautiful and strange, like everything here. I... A few more taps on the UFO, and an exotic melody emerged. Brad couldn't hit a wrong note. The night was young. Brad played three reeded flutes with rainbow-painted kids, his feet resting on a crystal-powered machine. The translucent bowls that he'd seen in the window, when stroked, sang like Buddhist angels. As evening became night, he lay still while a circle of singers blessed him with songs from before the mall was built. His body was of earth, formed from stardust. As the singers grew silent, Brad knew his purpose. To help the earth on her grand initiation into new realms of being. At one point, Brad asked, Was there ever an older boy here? Slick hair, leather jacket, played guitar? There was, said the young woman. Where did he go? No one knows. He left one day, said he was searching for more. That night, he slept on a Reiki table with a mobile of planets spinning overhead. In the morning, the girl gave him a pile of CDs. Their covers were full with words like overtone, meridian, and encounter. As he turned to go, she touched his arm and murmured, Remember what music can be. Brad had never thought of his home as Mall A, 
just the mall. But the southwest wing felt like another mall entirely. Going there had been strange, but coming back was stranger. The healing shop, where he'd been only once, felt like home. He had activated his chakras, had gone on an astral pilgrimage. Now he was back in his sleeping pod in Mall A, comfortable but pierced by loneliness. He hadn't even asked that girl her name. Later, alone on a bench surrounded by plastic ferns, Brad put ancestral Reiki vibrations into his discman, slid in his earphones, and closed his eyes. The music drowned out the PA and eased Brad back to the sound shop. Looking mighty content there, son. Brad yanked out his earphones. Just the standard amount, sir. I'm loving the hits. The cleaner parked his supply cart next to the bench and sniffed the air. New deodorant? Patchouli, sir. The cleaner cocked his head. Funny. Haven't seen that for sale around here. Sure is bright today. Compared to what? In the supermarket, a light was out. Hmm, thought I would have known. The cleaner sat beside Brad and crossed his long, white polyester-clad legs. You know, that friend of yours reeked of patchouli near the end. Stopped looking like the rock star he could have been and... The cleaner snatched something from Brad's pocket and held it up. Had a bunch of shakers, too. Brad wished he'd hidden it in his pack. It's from the Halloween shop. Guatemalan, by the look of the engravings on the bulb. How do you... Ain't no Guatemala in the Halloween shop. The cleaner shoved the shaker back into Brad's pocket and lowered his voice so no passing customers would hear. Don't think I've never been to that place. But you learned the hits, boy. You could be something in this place. His gaze slid to a tired-looking man toting bags of toys for his son, then back to Brad. The cleaner's gaze softened. Don't you want to be a normal father? Someone who can provide for your children? Weeks passed. Brad longed for another soda explosion, or for drunk teenagers throwing up, or for an overflowing water fountain, or a messy brawl over addictive candies. Anything to keep the cleaner off his back while he made a break for it. Nothing. And always, the cleaner was nearby, hovering, fingering his Lysol. Well, maybe Brad wasn't meant to be a rebel musician. He could just stay in Mall A. He could be a music video rebel, well-paid and popular. This was his home, wasn't it? He had grown up here, had developed hand-eye coordination playing those video games over there, had learned about human relations in that theater. His very body was built of burritos from Taco Giant, yet he wanted only to return to the nether region of the mall and to the sound healing shop. Nightmares held him back. Lysol in his eyes, legs scrubbed clean of flesh. Only one thing in the mall was gathering dust, his adventure pack. He had filled it with all the necessities, fruit roll-ups, cheese strips, kombucha, weird but recommended by the pretty musician girl, and, of course, his homely guitar. One night, he dreamt of smooth white walls with spotless tiles crushing him, buckling inward and bashing him in time with the hit playing on the radio. Beyond them, green walls folded outward like a blooming flower beckoning in a bee in a nature documentary. The kind of bee that would return to his hive covered in honey. 
or pollen, however that worked. Brad wanted to be that bee, to hear the tinkling melodies of the flower as they made love beneath an open sky. It was crazy. If he stayed here and kept playing the hits, if he had kids, he'd easily be able to buy them bags of toys and tell them they were from Santa like the other dads. He could have a good life. That was like a sweet flower too, wasn't it? And if he tried to leave, Brad thought of the cleaner, fingering his Lysol. If he hadn't handed Brad a cloth soaked in an antidote for Lysol, would Brad even still have his hands? Better no hands than no heart, Brad thought. As he got up from bed, defiant dialogue from dozens of action movies flickered through his head. Over my dead body, punk, he hissed up to the air. Or over yours, something like that. Brad bought a variety pack of firecrackers and lit them in the children's cereal aisle. With crackles and squeals at his back, he sprinted from the supermarket and from his old life. Had he really just done that? Either way, he kept running, his pack and guitar bounding on his back. Past the notary republic with his parents doing some kind of work somewhere inside, then past the strange shops, the stranger ones, and into the empty, flickering corridor with its vivid green Mall B. It felt like he was falling, feet slapping tile, guitar bounding on his back, chest drumming, darkness all around, running. He'd run as far as before, still only darkness ahead. Sensing something ahead, Brad slowed, reached out and yelped, a splinter in his finger. With his phone light, he saw no celestial guitar, no singing bowls, just plywood and an immaculately printed sign. Shop closed due to unsanitary conditions. Brad cried out. It's spelled S-H-O-P-P-E. It's meant to be fancy. He fell to his knees. Fancy! His voice echoed into silence. He sat on a chunk of broken concrete, too stunned to weep. He would fall forever with nowhere to land. He had no home. He managed to cry for a while, maybe a long while. Frustrated, he plugged his earphones into his discman and picked up his guitar. Celestial harps mixed with singing bowls, mixed with chords he'd never tried to play, notes he'd never tried to sing. No one could hear him here, so he sang along like a wailing dog, a wet, smelly, rejected dog. Keening calls, rhythmic grunts, songs for angels sprouting from the earth and for whales swimming through constellations on their ways to becoming ancestors. No hits. His own music. The world's music. When the batteries on his discman ran out, he kept strumming and singing something, stumbling over rubble, running fingers over fuzzy walls. He sipped the kombucha, ate all his fruit roll-ups, and vowed never to return to the supermarket. Exhausted, he lay on the dusty floor and stared up, singing in darkness. When his throat dried up, he sang on in his mind. Above him, he thought he saw filaments of light, a spiderweb of bright lines, faint and seeming to pulse along with his singing. Maybe the walls were singing along with him in their own way. This whole place smelled like wet dog. Something sprouting tickled his arm. 
The cleaner had used the word soiled like a curse, but this tickling felt kind of good. Another voice sang too, at a higher pitch than his own. Sad and clear, it echoed through the empty corridors. A woman's voice. Brad sipped the kombucha and managed to sit up. Strumming quietly in tune, he approached the singer. It was too dark to see her, but he recognized that high, clear voice. As he neared, she fell silent. This all used to be forest, she said. Like trees? Before the mall. I was born in Mall A, same as you, but my grandmother told me. She kicked the ground. Thought I'd get out someday. Brad sat nearby on the cold floor. My name's Brad, by the way. Alta. He sank back against the fuzzy wall with its doggy smell. I'm homeless. The shop showed me elders, children, ceremonies, stars. Yeah, festivals, spirits, worship. But I've never seen those things, not even in music videos. Me neither, just in visions while we played music. He strummed sad chords, and they sang laments for old-growth forests and cultures, though he barely knew what he was singing. When their throats fell silent and dry, the songs echoed through the hallways. He gave her his last sip of kombucha. That's gallant of you. Alta sipped, and they sat in silence for a long time. Then she said, I have an idea. For what? She pulled him to his feet and led him through the dark hallway and stopped in front of what had been the sound healing shop. He said, I hate seeing it boarded up like this. And that was odd. He could see it, even without his phone light. Look up, Brad. He did, then shrank down to protect himself. Light poured through cracks in the ceiling. Alta was poking at the cracks with a piece of rebar. Can you help? Are you crazy? We don't know what's out there. So? What are you going to do? Go back? I... I blew up the cereal aisle. Alta made an impressed hum. Might just get in trouble for that. Yeah, there's this guy. Alta shuddered. The cleaner? You know him? She shuddered harder, then looked back up at the ceiling. We've got to get out. Brad breathed in deeply, and his outbreath was full of friends he'd never see again, video games he'd never win. All gone. All right, let's do it. It was dusty work. Brad barely jumped aside as a chunk of concrete struck the floor. The cracks widened. Light flooded in. Almost. Alta pried out a chunk of concrete from above her, then a bigger one. She dropped the rebar, shielding her eyes against the light. Brad stepped back, shielding his head from falling chunks. When he could see again, he saw a hole just big enough to fit through. They piled fallen concrete to make a rough staircase and climbed up, bashing, stumbling, prying. With a final effort, Alta shoved up and out. Brad shrank back. Up above, beyond the hole, a brilliant ball hung in the air, brighter than a thousand fluorescent lights, more powerful than the mall's entire electrical system. Maybe it was Brad's imagination, but he heard it crackling and booming in the sky. Its light warmed Brad's skin, like that time he'd gone too close to a burrito oven. He turned away and stumbled back down the rubble staircase. And the cleaner was right. 
Brad should go back to where he belonged. He was a mall baby, not made for a huge, intense world. Brad would return to cheese sticks, pop, plants that didn't smell. If he needed variety, let it be in the slow shift of the hits as old ones slid from the chart and new ones came in. Brad, she called down. What if it's Tuesday already? Big box of buttery popcorn on me, Alta. What do you say? Brad, get up here. What if they don't have normal food out there? Like if there's just grass and shrubs like vegetarians eat. I'm vegetarian. Sorry, I... Sunlight, Brad. You eat sunlight? No, that's what this is called. I remember my grandmother told me. It doesn't seem so bright anymore. Jeez, I can see green grass and trees. Real trees. She crouched, peering down through the hole at him. She looked radiant, terrifyingly free. See for yourself. She reached down and Brad withdrew. Knew you couldn't do it, boy. A voice resonated from behind. The man who stepped from the shadows had no cart, no mops or sprays. Gone was his starchy white uniform, replaced by worn overalls. He held a coil of rope in one hand, which he fingered as he had his spray guns. The cleaner raised a hand, reassuring. What say we forget this little incident? No repercussions. Teenagers do foolish things. I... Throw in a year of free movie passes? You could do that? With popcorn. All you can eat? Sure as the sun shines, boy. Unsure, Brad called to his mind a host of action lines to bolster his resolve. Your reign of terror ends here and now, he said. You must face justice for your crimes. It had sounded like such a good line coming from Chuck Van Willis didn't even make sense in this context. He added weakly, I'd rather die than go back. Would you? asked the cleaner. I mean, ah, heard it in a movie. Out for your freedom. I got it. But what if you get your freedom and then you die? asked the cleaner. Pretty useless freedom, no? Not much protein out there, boy. Grazing with rabbits and deer and other vegans. He said the last word like a swear, yet with a tinge of sadness in there. I'm sure there's popcorn? Brad hadn't meant it to come out as a question. Not a nibble. I should know. I... The cleaner gritted his teeth, silencing himself. Brad was hungry, thirsty. He could return. It didn't even matter whether it was Tuesday. Every movie was free to him now. Maybe his parents would finally take some time off from the notary republic and they could go together. As if that would ever happen. He shoved the cleaner aside and scrambled up the rubble staircase. My spirit cannot be bound. Just your body, boy. The cleaner clambered up behind. Brad burst onto the rooftop and a whole new world emerged. A meadow of brilliant waving grass with trees, real trees, reaching upward. Some were even taller than the roof of the mall, and, jeez, the mall was so high that looking down made Brad dizzy. That fall could kill him. Birds stroked the sky in murmuring patterns. Clouds streaked farther in every direction than he was able to see. This was better than any deodorant commercial, even better than that ad for potato chips with the great song. 
The resolution was higher than the newest TVs, and the smells made the perfume panther seem artificial. Brad murmured a verse from a poem that had always touched him. From dirty cuts to clean freedom, fixed creams got you covered. Live life without fear, ever untethered. How would he get down from here? He had seen people make bigger jumps in movies. He bent his knees. Didn't they have stunt doubles and ropes to help them? Wondering if it's real? The cleaner stepped up onto the roof, his short hair ruffling in the breeze. Alta grabbed a piece of rebar from the ground. We can fight him. The cleaner's gaze settled on Alta. Thought you were dead, girl. He tipped his hat. Guess I'm glad you ain't. She clutched the metal bar, glaring at him. Then her gaze softened. He was happier, you know. The cleaner grimaced. Don't tell me what he was. Who? asked Brad. Don't you know? said Alta. That boy who sold you his guitar. Don't say it, barked the cleaner. He's not anymore. I disowned him. Brad stared at his old nemesis. The smelly cool kid is your son? The cleaner's hand drifted to his waist. The rope hanging there was starting to look more and more like a whip. In a flash, Brad realized that all those hours of action movies had not prepared him for a real fight. Brad raised his hands and motioned for Alta to back away. We won't fight. Alta backed away, but kept a tight grip on her metal bar. And not because we're afraid, Brad added. It's because this new world shouldn't start with fighting. He stepped in front of Alta, let his hands fall, and faced the cleaner. Well, all right then. The cleaner unhooked the rope. Brad closed his eyes and sang a few lines from one of the healing CDs. I sing of love in times of hate, of hope in times of fate. I sing of boats. They're all times of fate. The cleaner waved toward the roof's edge. You going to jump off or not? Is that what your son did? asked Alta. The cleaner winced. Brad's chest tightened. Why are you provoking him, Alta? The cleaner looked toward the ground, so far below, and his stance softened. He would have jumped. With a sigh, he handed Brad the rope. If you see him, tell him that I closed that damn sound healing shop. A long silence opened between the three of them, a vessel that soon filled with bird song and wind rustling through grass. Brad took the rope. It was heavy and coarse. Thank you. The cleaner gazed toward the cluster of trees. And tell him if he does come back, he'd better have stories to tell me. I'll tell him. Alta was looking down over the roof. I'll go first. Brad nodded. I'll hold the rope. Feet pressed against the lip of the roof, Brad held the rope tight while Alta scaled down. She was heavier than she looked. His muscles strained more and more, and just when they were about to give, the weight lifted. He looked down to find her dancing. She looked up. Wait, how will you get down? A hand gripped Brad's shoulder. Boy. Brad pushed the hand away. You're going to take me back? The cleaner scoffed. Like the lady said, how will you get down? You won't let go? Only one way to find out. The way down was terrifying, and Brad nearly clambered back up. The whole time he was sure the cleaner would let go. 
When he landed, Brad squealed. This ground's squishy. Cold grass, boy. You might have to eat it. And with that, the cleaner was gone. Silently, Brad thanked the man. They started walking. Alta pulled out a Guatemalan shaker and found a groovy rhythm. Brad strummed a bittersweet chord. They walked along squishy, pathless ground until they saw, there across the waving grass, a boxy building larger than the one they had left. On one wall, a towering sign read, Oak Mall. The wall below the sign was broken. People streamed out in twos or threes, yelling and singing. Brad and Alta rushed toward them, adding harmonies. They sang for trees, open sky, and for new seeds sprouting from a worn but fertile world. That was Escape to Mall B by Theodore Lowry. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you'd leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to us on. Or, better yet, share the magazine and podcast with a friend. If you'd like to listen to more speculative fiction, visit us online at magazine.metaphoricist.com or on Twitter at metaphoricistmag.com.